would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. This episode of Doing Disney, we're talking all things Marvel's 2016 film, Doctor Strange. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to another episode of Doing Disney. Today I'm joined by an amazing special guest, Ross Kanu de Krippney. Ross, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, no worries. I'm actually happy to be here, finally. Today we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange, so let's jump straight into it. Start at the beginning. Doctor Strange, released in 2016, directed by Scott Derrickson and starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer and Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. We follow the story of Dr. Stephen Strange, a brilliant yet arrogant neurosurgeon who one evening gets into a severe car crash which damages his hands. Looking for any way to get back the function of his hands, he finds his way to Kamataj and under the guidance of the Ancient One, Mordor and Wong, learns to use the mystic arts to become a sorcerer. In his studies, he gains the Cloak of Levitation and the mysterious Eye of Agamotto, which happens to be the Time Infinity Stone. Strange also discovers that Earth is protected from other dimensional threats by sanctums, which have started to become under attack by ex-pupil Caecilius. Caecilius is attempting to lower Earth's defences to contact Dormammu from the Dark Dimension for eternal life. When the final sanctum is overtaken, Strange heads straight into the Dark Dimension, wielding the Time Stone and sacrificing himself again and again to keep Dormammu in a time paradox thus saving everyone. Strange returns to Earth and takes his place as the Sorcerer Supreme and Protector of Earth. Tale as old as time. Uh, this is one that's much more recent, so we don't need to think too far back. What's your history with the MCU, though? And were you already familiar with Doctor Strange as a character, or was this an all-new character when you went to see the film? It was actually one of the first characters I really enjoyed reading about in the comics. So... Honestly, there was like huge differences from the movie to the comics, as most comic adaptations in the movies usually do change. But I started the MCU way back when Iron Man 1 first came out, and I've just been following it every year, going to the movies, making sure I'm read, ready to go see it and getting all excited. And with Multiverse of Madness coming out next week, I'm 100% excited for the Doctor Strange to continue. Oh, I'm so excited. For me, this was the first MCU film I saw coming back to Australia. So I was really excited to see it on the big screen. And this is one when it was announced I was really keen for because when we talk sci-fi fantasy, I tend to lean towards the fantasy a lot more than the sci-fi aspect. So knowing that Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme and that we were going to get more mystical, magical elements as opposed to the more tech cosmic side that we've been really leaning towards throughout the mcu so far i was really excited and this is one that's remained in like my mid to high rankings uh do you remember seeing this film for the first time and what were your initial thoughts on it because you said coming from liking the character in the comic books and there's differences but what do you think of the film as a whole honestly as a whole it was really enjoyable and actually just watching the whole transition from him becoming this ordinary doctor guy to the sorcerer supreme was just full of excitement and adrenaline that the whole movie was just like oh this is awesome oh i love this oh my god this is happening and it was just it's just so fun i just remember actually going with i think it was my partner at the time well, now my wife actually going to see it with her was just it's always fun you know and which just kind of made a tradition out of it every time mcu comes out 
we're going to go together and go watch it. Uh, I love that. Very similar vibes. Like this was this is a great date night movie, and it's one rewatching it for this this watch through. I've watched it on my iPad. Such a disservice to the film because it's one that you've got to see on as big a screen as possible because they've got those scenes of like in the mirror dimension and things like that. And I remember sitting in the theater at the time, just eyes wide because you need to be able to see all those visuals and really feel immersed in it. Or um, the scene where they're going through the astral projection and he's like walking through a different space and time. You need to see that on as big a screen as possible. So I enjoy when I saw it for the first time, all those scenes, but on the rewatch, I'm like, oh no, like I, it reminded me of sitting in the theater and how much I enjoyed it. It's my favorite part because you'll see. So Ross, what's your favorite scene from the film? Oh, that's actually kind of a hard one. Cause there's been a few like scenes sitting there, that I really, really like, and it's like the little scenes that you don't think about. So like there's a big one near the end after the Sorcerer Supreme has passed on and Dr. Strange is taking the mantle. And he's sitting there and the music's being all dramatic and setting up for this big reveal of him becoming Doctor Strange. And all of a sudden, the cape's rubbing his face and just, you know, it just destroys the whole immersion, but in a really good way. Absolutely. That's a good use of MCU humor. Humor. I know sometimes it comes, it gets critiqued a little bit for being very broad or very on the nose. But this one, this film I do like, and the cape is able to bring a bit of levity to a lot of the situations. So I like that one. What else have you got? Oh, like going on with the whole, you know, working on the funny side, you've got the cult exchange between him and Dr. Palmer. So like when, mm-hmm. you, you know the scene I'm talking about, when he's yeah. sitting there after being stabbed and he's like talking about it not being a cult and she's trying to fight it. And just just that last line at the end where he goes, I've got to go to my cult meeting. And he just gets up and goes. It just gets me every time. That scene as a whole is really great because we're able to see the use of astral projection. So we saw it earlier with him being forced out of his form by by the ancient one and then for him to be able to bring that and wield it to some extent in that scene. I remember sitting in the theatre going, wow, that's that's amazing. Like that's something, a really different approach to it because he's able to guide her and talk to her. But there is one thing with that character though, like that would freak me out. That would freak me out so badly. And she just rolls with it. And sometimes that does happen in the MCU where these really non-realistic situations happen and characters just deal with it suddenly. I'm like, that is not how it would go. You know what I mean? I thought you mean, but honestly, in this movie, the whole situation of that is when he comes out, you can see the shock and horror in her face. But the fact that he's sitting there going, look, I'm dying. You need to kind of get your ass in gear and help me here kind of just helps that along a bit rather than just... Oh, look, I'm okay. I'm happy. That is fair. And I guess you do switch into the doctor mode of saving lives. Like, I think that that would switch you, Brad. That is a fair point. Um, One of the scenes, I'm going to bring up the biggie. I'm basic. Let's go for it. I love the ending with Jormammu of Come to Bargain. That is a great third act. Sometimes we do get in these bigger blockbuster, tend-to-be-superhero films. We get a third act with... um, buildings being destroyed and just the big bad coming in and smashing everything up and it tends to lean on the generic side. So I love this scene in particular with Doctor Strange coming to Dormammu every time, using the time stone, time stone, because I love a character that uses their wits rather than brute strength to defeat a villain. So I like that we're seeing the real intelligent side of Doctor Strange mixing with the lessons he's learned along the way that it's not about him and that it's his turn to sacrifice himself 
and just every time Domamo come to bargain and I love the delivery Benedict Cumberbatch gives every time it's a little bit different it gets more exasperated as the scenes are going Domamo I've come to bargain Domamo I've come to bargain because uh it's his his way of sacrificing himself for humanity and he says Yes, you are suffering. You're gonna. Su I'm gonna suffer, but everyone else is going to survive because of it. And I like seeing that it's not just a punch the villain type thing. And it's the way to deal with these cosmic thing and entities that we're starting to see in the MCU. What are your thoughts on the finale scene? Basically, I actually really enjoyed the finale scene, as you were saying, the whole time paradox that he threw Dormammu into. And I also like how they kind of paid homage to the whole blowing up an explosions of it, but reversing it by actually bringing the building back together and fixing the streets. It kind Absolutely. of shows you, hey, we're not, we are in the MCU, but we're not going the third act, let's blow everything up route. And you can also see that it shows the start of the humor side as well that rolls into the future MCU movies like Thor, Ragnarok and all that. So I actually did really like the third act as a final thing. Agreed. And we also get the little droplets along the way with, um, Oh, do you want to, if you mess with the natural laws of time, do you want to be stuck in a paradox? You know, we get that like at the halfway point of the film. So to see that be worked into uh, the, the final act of it all and, and the resolution of the film is really And it also clever. brings in one of like an, a quote that Mordo says is the bills come due. And that really shows that in the final act. Oh, I love the way Chiwetel Ejiofor delivers that line. That is great. Are there any other scenes that stood out to you? Oh, if I have to go for another scene, again, it's going back to the flying car, um, sorry, the cape. Uh, yeah, yeah let's, the have, let's touch on the Sanctum fight as a whole. Like, what do you think of that whole scene from when Kaecilius shows up with his henchmen and Doctor Strange entering? What do you think of that full fight? And It was a really good scene, watching Doctor Strange walking around the Sanctum trying to find someone. But actually, in a deleted scene, originally, um, we actually have Dorm sitting there waiting and Doctor Strange approaches him and they have a conversation between the appending doom that is happening on the Sanctum. And I think mm -hmm. removing that scene kind of doesn't really improve the movie, but it doesn't actually take away from it either. Yeah, it would have been nice to see a few more interactions. Yeah, but the whole fight scene as a whole was just amazing. And the use of the door to try and push people out and actually change them into different areas to really kind of reduce the numbers there. And the use of the cape, uh, you got to admit, that scene where he's got the head wrapped around the cape and he's just throwing it all around like Hulk did to Loki, it just brought back that whole fun and nostalgic kind of from the first Avengers. And I like, as you said, like he's using the door, and as I alluded to earlier, like using wits to fight because Doctor Strange isn't a punch-punch character. We see a little bit of hand-to-hand -hand combat, but this is not someone I think is like overly trained. You know what I mean? So you've got to find those other ways because Kaecilius really should come in there and just kick the shit out of him, you know, because we do see it at Kamataj. They do a lot of martial arts training and things like that, but Doctor Strange hasn't been there that long to be so proficient. But we do see him using a lot of books and a lot of knowledge. So using... Um, the doors and using, well, I guess the cape's like the real heroes of that scene, as you say, because he's the one that also drags Strange to the um, apparatus that that uh, holds Kaecilius. Yeah, so. and that's another fun scene, watching the cape dragging him away from the axe as he's trying to go for it, and it's just a whole running situation. <laughs> you're like, and when I first watched this movie, I remember not realizing what the cape was doing, but mm. when rewatching it, you're like, yeah, he's going for the apparatus. We know what's happening now, and it still brings in that sense of excitement. 
of Absolutely. the impending doom of Caselius, and you're like, yes, this is happening. And even now, I'm still excited when I watch it. Yeah, we get those um little moments, good mix of humor and action there. Uh, so we also get when Caselius is there, he's like, who are you? It's like. I'm, it's, it's strange. Oh, Mister Doctor, Mister Doctor. Like those little moments, I really like. Or when he's in the apparatus and it's it, he's being able to taunt him a little bit. Uh, I like this scene as a whole. I think it works as a good midway film action scene, first test of the hero's strength. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. You ain't never had a friend like me. So, Ross, what characters in the film stand out to you? Obvious answer is Wong, of course. Benedict Wong played him so well, and it was just so much fun to just see him on the big screen finally, especially when you're reading him in the comics a lot. I I love the seriousness that Wong has when he's sitting there and he's the keeper of the books, the head of the library, and he's basically having this conversation about how Caecilius came in and killed the old librarian. Oh, yeah, as, as a librarian, like, I felt that scene as well, like, now I'm like, yeah, you keep those books long, you keep the bad people away from the books. Um, I guess the question is, because I am not familiar so much with the Doctor Strange comics, it's not a character I've read about before, it's a character I knew about from wider MCU lore, but not reading the comics and not knowing things, so Wong was a completely new character to me, how do you feel that they adapted that character? I actually think they brought him into the 21st century because going back to the Silver Age of comics and, you know, Doctor Strange first debuted in, what, 1963? So it was like a year after you got Spider-Man and Hulk coming out that they kind of made Wong racial stereotype, making him a manservant. Although he was adept in martial arts and he taught Doctor Strange how to fight, he was still that man, like old-style kind of comic manservant rather than this librarian of his own that has his own techniques and masteries and i actually like that they changed that and adapted that what are some of your favorite scenes with wong and it like what what do you think highlights the character the best i I think it's just the stoutness and seriousness he has but throughout the whole movie until the very end when dr strange finally makes him laugh and it's just that little giddy of humor that you get to see in wong that just makes him as a character as a whole. And you also get this, like, the kind of Doctor Strange trying to make him laugh and get a rise out of him by calling him, like, Beyonce, Eminem, Adele, and all that. And the scene where they're in the extra books, like, behind the library, and it's got all the catalogues, and they were talking about Caselius and how he stole the books and killed the old librarian. And Wong said if any of these books leave this compound, they'll be dead before they walk out the door. And then Dr. Stranger talks with, what is there just overdue? Will I get a late fee or maimed? And it's just that little quirps that kind of really bring those characters together. Yeah, and then we get the payoff with that with Wong listening to single ladies in the library and Dr. Strange stealing all the books. So there's a good balance of, as you said, like the stoutness, but we get those little bits of humour throughout. And it's almost the inverse of what we see with Mordo, where we see Mordo sort of making the jokes at the start, welcoming Strange, you know, with the um, with the password, we're not savages, and then later on becoming so serious and so stout. So we get the, the flip with Wong and how all the characters change, because I like those three interacting. We see them um, protecting the Sanctum together. I'm like, oh, that is, a, that is a cool team. Like, that is a good mix of sorcerers. So it's interesting. Yeah, and going back with the comparison of the comics to the movie, you actually see that Mordo is a good guy helping Doctor Strange. 
But in the original, his whole life mission was to kill the Sorcerer Supreme that was once his mentor. So it's actually an interesting change. Yeah, let's touch on Mordo because that is one of my favourite characters by far. So this is a character I've been waiting to see come back again. I love Chiwetel Ejiofor as this role when I'm watching the film for the first time. I like, I'm so excited to see more of this because I think he's so well cast. And as I said, I really like how he's able to toe the line between being playful and being serious with Strange. So I like seeing the scenes where um, he's training him up in the training yard with all the different relics and fighting a fight like your life depends on it and getting to see his relic boots and just sort of you're getting to see a lot more of the background and what's brought him to Kamataj and you get those lines dripped in between between him and the ancient one as well, those exchanges there. You get to more hear about his background rather than being force-fed it, if that makes sense. Like you've got to a little bit put the pieces together. And I always really enjoy a storyline of friends or mentors, mentees that end up becoming enemies due to differing values and ideals. So a very Sinestro Green Lantern vibe as well. I know it's like comic book trope at this time, but I like the way it's handled. Uh, In the MCU, sometimes we tend to see the villain as just the bad version of the hero or like the replica of the hero. But I I like where we're going to start heading with Mordo. And as you were saying, like he's now on the hunt because we get that amazing stinger at the end where he's there to bring back the people that he think has been abusing the powers. So I like where we end up with the character in the film where he's he's come to Kamataj as a lost person and the ancient one has given him peace and purpose and a set of rules and he feels so betrayed by the faith and trust that he's put in her that now he's on on his on his new path and his new quest. How do you feel about Mordo? He was actually one of my favourite characters as well, as you were saying. Just the whole transitions from what he was at the start, being this funny, playful dude into all this seriousness, and just the quips and like humour he had with Doctor Strange. You could just see it. And it was just excitement on the screen for finally see someone that is immensely powerful, but also very kind and very like set in his ways, not to abuse the power, not to destroy the natural order and like you could see how furious he was with dr strange when he found out he was using the infinity stone to mess with time it's good that we get that little bit of journey for him throughout the film but it's not overblown so we can get the setup for where that character is possibly going to go in the future and it's those two parting ways and yeah very interesting let's talk about um dr strange the man himself what do you think of this character and benedict cumberbatch in the film honestly the whole film itself Doctor Strange, of course, it shows the transition from this arrogant arsehole all the way through to this sympathetic guy that is too scared to help but wants to, and then shows you to become through again to the powerful Sorcerer Supreme that is here to save the world and fight Dunamu. So that whole transition arc through the movie is just like a wave, as how it just comes up and down, up and down, and I actually really like that. So as a whole, he is up there on my list of favourite characters, but I don't think he is my favourite character in the movie. Is he one of your favourite characters for the MCU as a whole, though? Like, going past this film, do you like the way that they've incorporated this character? Definitely. Top five favourite MCU characters. Yeah, I really enjoy Doctor Strange as a character. Uh, I was super excited for Benedict Cumberbatch to be cast because I enjoy the Sherlock BBC series. That was more where I knew him from. So to see, I can see how this portrayal combines a bit of that Sherlock with Iron Man 
I get the Iron Man comparisons. They were really heavy at the time, but I'm glad to see them sort of dissipate a bit as we were sort of saying, now that he gets to be in the wider universe, I, I like the way they've been incorporating his character into different films and you're getting to see those those differences between the two characters because they're not just quippy, smart guys. Like there, there are differences in underlying morals and ideals and, and the way that they approach things. So I like I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of the other things that I did like was that they made him a doctor doctor and not a scientist. Like you've got so many doctors that are scientists, like you got Tony Stark, Hank Pym, Bruce Banner, and they're all we're top in our field, we're scientists. And he's like, No, I'm here, I can save people, I'm an actual doctor. And it's oh, just nice absolutely. that they kinda went that way instead of just following the I'm a scientist trope. Very much. And you can see his um his thirst for knowledge and in some ways a thirst for power and i don't mean that as an abuse of power but a thirst for um being the best at things so in my notes as well i've written arrogance like that is just the best way to describe this character but i don't think he loses that arrogance it's just a different way to wield it if that makes sense and it's very much what the yeah. angel one was going on about we don't lose our demons we just rise above them and i think he's able to rise above using that arrogance and not helping people to being able to uh, use that for, for the betterment of, of humanity. So especially when we see, I like someone whose whole world gets broken down and they've got to rebuild it. So when he loses the use of his hands and then we get that capper at the end of the film where he gets to put on his watch and see his scars, I like that duality and seeing, seeing that full circle moment, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with that. How do you feel about Rachel McAdams and her Christine? What do you, what do you think of that character? You can tell my tone is going up, so I'm very quizzical about it because I'm not certain on it. How do you feel about it? Um, as a character, like just being that side part to Doctor Strange, she seemed like very helpful, very there, and the little quips between him and her, you know, the strange um, theory and all that was kind of funny to think, but you don't really get to see much of her. And I would like to have seen a little bit more of her in the movie rather than just a bit at the beginning and a bit in the middle. I agree. I would have liked to seen a bit more. I don't know if I, I, I do like this character, but I don't know if that's because I like Rachel McAdams as an actress. You know what I mean? Like she's got good yeah. on-screen presence. It's no, Honestly, as soon as, you, as soon as you see her, the first movie I think of is Wedding Crashes. Really? Oh, see, I'm the Mean Girls generation, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, f fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, it's that, it's that familiar face. So it's like, do I like this character because I'm familiar with this actress? Because there's not a lot of depth there. Some of it tends to be a bit, I'm doing good because I do good. But I like what you said, when they do have a good quip and back and forth, especially in the hospital, that's when I'm really liking that character as opposed to when they're outside of that or in the apartment. It just tends to be... Be a little bit wishy-washy so I would like to see this character return and have a little bit more depth because I think we get alluded to it in what if that she's very much a lowest what lowest lane is to Superman obviously Palmer is to Doctor Strange because we get that amazing episode where he turns to the dark side so I wonder how if if she's going to come back for multiverse of madness and, and so on and so forth if, if they're just going to move away from that character completely I'm hoping they don't because she is a big, such a big part of Stephen Strange's universe. So they do keep Palmer in there because you know he was the love of her life, and in some comic iterations, he was actually going out with dinner with her before he actually had the car crash. So 
if they don't actually show her again, I think it'd be rather disappointing. But I also understand that the MC universe is trying to push away from the comic books and actually become their separate universe. So it's really kind of a touch and go whether they would or won't. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. I'm I'm trying to keep it contained to this film, but we're both just so excited for the next film. I'm interested to see his interactions with um, Wonder now. Like that's what I'm really keen to see how that's going to go. So I think that might be not so much the female love interest, but a female counterpart that they're going to focus on. Yeah, I, I do like how that they're doing the new one, especially with Wanda and showing a powerful female in the MC universe after having years and years of movies of like Iron Man for Captain America. It's actually nice to see a female lead in a way, oh, although it is a Doctor Strange movie. It's, very Doctor Strange, Wonder Vision. You know what I mean? Extremely sorry. I'm really looking forward to it. Listen well, all of you. Uh, Ross, what's your favorite quote from the film? What's the one that, that a, stand out to you? See, we're talking about how Doctor Strange would, likes to be a doctor, mm-hmm. and like how he really holds that to him. And that actually brings in one of my favorite quotes. That is, um, no, it's not Doctor Strange, not Mr, not Master, Doctor. When I became a Doctor, I swore an oath to do no harm and I just killed a man. And I'm not doing that again. It's just that whole, you can hear it in his voice cracking and how he's scared he is and how he's like, I've made this oath to help people and I've just killed a man. What is going on? I can't be the Master of the Sanctum. And it's just that whole situation that kind of really got me on the edge of the seat when I first watched the movie. I adore that quote. That's one that definitely stood out to me as well. And it brings back what you're saying, like being a doctor is first and foremost the, the background of this character. And as it's just so heartfelt and so heartbreaking at the same time. I think that's an amazing one. For me, the, the ancient one, we didn't touch on her in, in characters, but it's an interesting character. And I think Tilda Swinton handles the dialogue so well because some of the lines are very motivational poster-esque it's a little hang in there baby but she delivers it very earnestly and that's what makes it work so especially in that astral projection scene where she's dying and she just turns to him and says it's not about you it's it's the line mixed with the delivery of it I think is amazing uh, I've talked previously about in Iron Man and how Yen Sin saying don't waste your life and it's very similar here. This is what kicks our hero into high gear. This provides the underlying morals and principles for the character and their arc throughout the MCU, like just beyond this film. So especially for the ending with Dormammu and him, as we said, sort of sacrificing himself for humanity, we see that these words have really sunk in and started to take offence. So it's not about you. I think it's amazing. Yeah, and also one of the most iconic uh, quotes is Dornamu, I've come to bargain. Absolutely. I just, I, I do like it, but I think it's just such a played out like quote that I hear nowadays. Every time someone says Doctor Strange, that's the first quote they read out. And again, with what I was saying earlier with Mordo and his uh, The Bills Come Due, it's just, it really hits the feel of the movie. But talking about natural order and how his character is to have that quote and he says it a few times through the movie it's not just once so it kind of becomes like his catchphrase in a way i i agree with um even when i picked it as my favorite scene i'm like the dumamu will come to bargain it has become one of the more iconic moments from the film and i guess because we don't get those more witty 
wrap-ups to a film, as we were just saying, it's a lot of smash-smash. So this was something unique. So it is, of course, something people gravitate towards. I think there's, like, songs with that in the title now sort of thing. So this has gone on beyond the field. Uh, the Bills Come Due, as as we said to you before with Mortar, I think is, is an amazing line because there has to be consequences to actions, and especially with this film starting to mess with time. That is always something I can be a little bit wary of. I do love a time travel story, but it is where things can start you can start finding those loopholes and it can start messing with things. So I like that they're really focused on don't mess with this. Like there there will be consequences to this. There will be butterflies effects to this. So I, I do like those ones as well. There's one interaction between Christine and Dr. Strange I really like and don't like at the same time. It's when they're in his apartment and it's raining and he's all devastated and she's trying to cheer him up or like keep coming over and visiting him and things like that. And she says to him, there are other things that can give your life meaning. And he just turns around quick as a whip and says, like what, like you. And that really took me aback this watch because I find that so cutting, but there's something really real about that dialogue and delivery that is absolutely the type of horrible thing you say to people and that phrasing that you use when you're lashing out. So there was that little bit of realism that I was like, oh, Oh, that took me back a little bit. But then they follow it up with the horrible movie trope dialogue of this is the part where you apologise, this is the part where you leave. Like that bothers me so much. It's not how real people talk, especially when you follow it up from the before. Is there any thoughts you have on this scene? I actually think the whole scene with when he snaps at her is actually Mm -hmm. well done because he's in this place where he's just destroyed and can't do anything and he he feels like a failure in life. That he's essentially just pushing her away. He's like, look, I can't live with myself being like this, so how can you go away? I don't I don't want you to be suffering and having to put up with me. So I actually think it worked really well in that way. Although it was a very iconic, you know, movie trope, as you were saying, I actually think it fitted into the scene very well. One song. I have but one song. So Russ, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack? Honestly, it was it was a really good soundtrack and it really did bring in the highs and the lows of the movie. But I did think that there was some scenes where they had a bit too much music going on in the background when there was big dialogue scenes and they were really kind of trying to throw your emotion into the movie when it wasn't really necessary. And I think that Absolutely. did draw me back a little bit. I don't have many thoughts on the soundtrack. It's not one that overly jumps out at me, the score on the soundtrack. It's it's nice, but it tends to be uh, no pieces that I'm like, oh, I've got to go listen to that afterwards. The, the closest for me is the closing theme when he's in the sanctum by himself and it really brings in those um, mystical elements with the strings but still have that superhero uplifting swell to it all. And it's, it's a good backdrop to, as I was saying, he's putting on his watch and he's looking at his scars and you're trying to bring about the change that has happened in this character and, and scoring that to, to the background. So I, I don't mind that. Is there an, is that a, a musical piece that stands out to you? Honestly, I, f- I can't really think of anything off the top of my head from watching the movie because it was just such a mellow movie. Like you could see in the fight scenes that they, it would pick up and the music would go to flow of the scene. But then yeah. there was bits like when uh, Mordo and Strange were having a bit of a fight and talk at the same time, but the music was kind of encroaching on it and really kind of diluted the talking about how, like, you know, runic weapons work and the magic and all that during that fight. The, the soundtrack side, 
I, I like when we get MCU and we get uh, more real world based things and interaction with the music, especially in ones like Guardians or I've talked about Iron Man before. Like I love that back and black opening. There's, we don't really get that in this one here. I guess we get the scene at the start where he's performing surgery and Chris I... Good comes on and he gets quizzed about it. That's very true to me. Alan and I are very similar. We're like, we'll chuck on Spotify and he'll try and test me like, who's the artist, what's the album, that sort of thing. So I like that we get a bit of character development through music where we see that Strange knows that even the release year is earlier than what says and double check it. And so we see he really does know a lot of things. It's not just medicine and things like that. He likes to be the best at everything. Yeah, I definitely do like that as well. That whole interaction with the move, music and watching him do it. It's just a lot of fun. And actually showing his cockiness in that scene as well when he's performing the surgeries. This is your badness level. So how evil is the villain? What are your thoughts on both Caecilius and Dormammu? Let's touch on Caecilius first because I guess he's more the, the pushing the storyline, the, the prime antagonist of the film. My thoughts on the villain itself was actually on a scale was rather low. Because this was more of a Doctor Strange build up, let's create a character and show who Doctor Strange is. It seemed like the villain kind of fell to the background, although it was the main plot line. So I wouldn't actually rate him that high. And like you could see with the fight scenes that he did really use his intellect overall. And the fact that he could alter reality outside the mirror dimension really showed how powerful he was. But you didn't actually really get to see much more than that, especially with the fights with the ancient one, having that sneaky stab in. Absolutely agree. Uh, Cassiolus is one of the more forgettable MCU villains. And that's such a shame because Mads Mikkelsen is really great casting and brings uh, a good visual style to that character. But it just feels like a very hollow character. We're told, yes, he was one of the better sorcerers and one of the good uh, apprentices to the ancient one. And they've got a, some background and relationship, but it just feels very, very generic. Like, oh, yes, now I'm going to turn to the dark side and I'm going to take a few people with me and I want eternal life. And it just, there's no real depth to it. And it's a comic book movie where I feel like I'm sitting there in the theatre and it's taking me out of it a bit because when it comes to, like, fighting the henchman, like, we talked about how great the scene is, but I can't help but also feel... It's one of those times I'm sitting and I get a little bit meta with it and I'm like, why are these henchmen henching? Like, why are they following Caecilius? Why are they getting nothing but just generic-looking, generic fighting things? I just, why would they sign up to follow him? I I don't get it. So it just ends up being a bit more cartoonish to me. Uh, What are your thoughts on Dormammu? Because Dormammu is... A character I, I quite like actually, which is so funny because it only it happens towards the end of the film. But I like that they really start bringing in the cosmic beings, especially after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm getting really psyched up for seeing the cosmic phase of the MCU. And this was a character I had no knowledge of prior to the film. So, and when I looked afterwards, seeing how different it was to the comic books, what do you think about Dormammu in the film? I actually liked how he was shown in the film. Again, I would rate him a little bit low because he is this whole powerful being that they really showed little of him. Kind of was a little bit disappointing. And after rewatching the movie and realizing who Dunami was at the end, you can actually see him at the beginning when um, the Ancient One pushes him into the Astro Plane. And you've seen Doctor Strange falling through the multiverses and all that. And then you get that little snippet of 
where he's destroyed an earth and then Dornamo's face appears before he gets pulled back. So it's really kind of showing you this is the big boss endgame right at Absolutely. the very beginning of the movie. And then to kind of just watching him kill Strange over and over and over again without basically lifting a finger kind of really pushes on how powerful he is. But not actually using that power kind of was a bit disappointing. Like with the Fair. traditional tropes of MCU showing big bad bosses destroying and wreaking ravic on the world, that they went the opposite route and put him in a time loop was a good choice. But it did really kind of make Dornamu feel like he was nothing. I can hundred percent say that point because as you were saying, like these massive cosmic beings, you're not just going to go in there and be able to punch him in the face and and it be done with that. But at the same way, you need to find a way to contain it because. That, that is something really coming from comic books that if you introduce a big bad, there's always going to, you've you got to up it for the next bigger bad, that there's going to be something more powerful to defeat that, or you've got to uh, increase your superheroes to become ultra powerful to defeat it. So I think it's handled well, but I get what you're saying. It's a bit of, we don't get to see more of that character. It, it is now a little bit of a throwaway. It could come back. I'd be interesting to see it come back, but maybe it's just best the way that they've done it because it's it was very interesting. Practically perfect in every way. Anything we haven't touched on so far? I just I thought of one that we haven't really talked about the mirror dimension and the visuals of the film. What do you think about the visual style and the probably the direction and vision for the film? Actually, that's actually one thing I was going to bring up as well was the budget as a whole for the movie was really, really high. So re-watching the movie and seeing the CGI not holding up was actually a little bit of disappointing. Like You could see the amazing CGI in the movie buildings and all that, but when it came to like the scene with Mordo and Doctor Strange fighting and he's running in the air on the beat, he just looked really rubbery and fake. And I think that just really kind of destroyed the immersion once re-watching and again, That's you could fair. see the same situation with the ancient one fighting Caecilius uh, and how she jumps off the building onto the road. Again, you get that whole rubbery look. That kind of really drew away from such a big budget movie, not being able to hold up like five years down the track. That is always going to be with superhero films or fantasy films. It is hard. What looks great at the time sometimes doesn't look great even in shorter periods of time because we're always making those strides but I still really like the way they designed the mirror dimension with everything folding into itself with the buildings using that as the backdrop to a fight scene I think is so cool and really pushing the different things we can do within this Doctor Strange realm. I also like um how we see the use of sling rings how we see the way that they use the mystic symbols, drawing the symbols in the air and making all the, the runes and things like that and different methods. I think it's a cool, practical way to bring that to the screen and the visuals of the bright orangey red on the screen still look really good to me. I, I always enjoy seeing people draw draw it on, on the screen and, and portals and things like that and how important that ends up becoming to subsequent films. And you can see it in like the design when they're doing the magic symbol training and they're actually getting Doctor Strange and it's just doing the little flickers when he's actually mm. trying to practice and not actually showing it. And that nice is 
a nice touch as well with the scenes that included it when the ancient one takes Doctor Strange to the top of Mount Everest and she's sitting there and going, oh, you know, the average human will last half an hour up here alone. Yeah, I don't think you'll last two and just walks off and leaves him there to try and get him to use the magic to come back was very fun use of using the portals and the CGI behind it to transport to different areas of the map. And you see the same CGI used with the doors inside the Sanctum where it's changing from like the the rains to the deserts to the snow. And I think it was a really good use in that point with the CGI, and that did really hold up well. True. Another thing I really like is that we're, we're in the middle of MCU Phase 2, and we're starting to really see even more threads, connective tissue, Easter eggs. So the ones I really like in this film is when he's driving in the car and they allude to Colonel Rhodes and his accident just from the previous film from Civil War. So they talk about Rhodey. Uh, the staff of the Living Tribunals, one that I did not pick up on, on the first watch and, and picked up on subsequent watches. And, of course, um, Wong dropping that the Eye of Agamotto is an Infinity Stone at the end of the film is really helping push the narrative building up to Infinity War. Are there any uh, Easter eggs or comic book references that really stood out to you? Ooh, what references really stood out to me is, uh, again, you can see, like, the statue inside of Odin's safe is also present in the Sanctum. I can't remember which statue it is exactly, but but then there's also, like you were saying, with the roads kind of accident going over the um, phone call, and he goes, oh, no, I'm not going to touch that. I don't want to ruin my career. It was also a very interesting little touch to add in, and that was one I was going to bring up, but they added that little bit. What do you think of, as a whole, how, I guess I touched on it earlier, how they've brought it, Doctor Strange to screen from the comics. Are there anything that really stands out for the character? Any missed opportunities? Anything you want to touch on? Um, I actually think that using Benedict Cumberbatch as the actor was a really, really good choice because in the comic books, they um, his full name is Stephen Vincent Strange. And the reason why his middle name is Vincent is because it's homage to Vincent Price, who is a very well-known old actor who plays a lot of sorcerers and wizards in the likes. And they used that reference for his middle name and his image as the character in the comics. And they using uh, Benedict is actually a really, really good choice. Agreed. Anything you would like to see? Another homage I really liked is that we've talked about comic books a lot, but you're starting to see a lot more of the influence being able to be brought to the MCU. So seeing the Steve Ditko art really coming through in, in the colour palette and the choices and things like that, and, and bringing that, that cosmic entity to the screen is something I think long-term fans really appreciate, and I still like seeing those visuals there. Is there any comic book homages that you really liked? It as a whole, really, seeing all like the classical wear, and especially with the traditional strange outfit that he sees in the first couple of comics, is just sitting there with the levitating cape and the blues and the accents, just really, really uh, brought it up. So I know we've been chatting. We talked about earlier that there was one of the deleted scenes. Is there any other behind-the-scenes information, the same thing that you feel interesting for the film? Uh, there was actually one deleted scene that was up in Kathmandu when Doctor Strange is heading there to the Kavitar. I can never remember what the place is called. Kavitar. And he. Cavatage, that's it, yeah. And he just before he gets mugged, he sees a dog limping on the side of the road. Kind of 
showing, you know, a pet with a bad hand. Doctor Strange has bad hands. So it's kind of showing him that he's down in the dumps. He's a mutt. He's nothing. And the fact that he stepped forward and made a little splint for the dog and sent it on its way kind of shows you what character Doctor Strange is. And it doesn't really add any flow to the movie, but it does add a lot of depth. And deleting that scene kind of works both ways. It doesn't really matter that they deleted it, but it would have added a lot if they kept it in. Yeah, well, speaking of not so much deleted scenes, but going on with what we now know as a major uh, facet of an MCU film, how do you find uh, the mid credit scene and the post credit scene? The mid credit scene with um, him sitting in the sanctum with four sitting across from him and opening up the gates to Ragnarok was just so well done. And you can just see his magical abilities with just filling up a little cup. It's just so little details that really show you the power of Doctor Strange that I really, really liked. This is a mid-credit scene that's definitely one of my favourites. Sometimes I end up sitting there and being like, uh, okay, not so psyched for the next thing. I think of like seeing um, even Wonder and Quicksilver. I was just like, uh, okay, whatever. But this one, seeing the, those two characters interact, and I absolutely love what you say because I think the same scene, Doctor Strange develop further into becoming the Sorcerer Supreme without actually needing to see him go on the journey, just in the way he interacts with different characters in other films is what I really start to be psyched about and just seeing his confidence start to build in his demeanour. And as you said, being able to interact with Thor and talk about Loki really does lead into the next film really well. Oh, Ross, thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a blast talking about this film. This is one we've been talking about on Indra for a long time and really gets me psyched up to see Multiverse of Madness. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. Hopefully I'll come back again. Absolutely. And we'll see you all next time. And when you come to the end, (laughs) stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod.